business success usually comes to those who are too busy to be looking for it. Join RVK for the award-winning RV on Business Show every Tuesday at 12 midday. It's not about thinking out of the box. There is no box. Only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome to 101.9 High FM. This is the RV on Money Show. Thank you so much for joining us once again. And that uh, quip there about Dr. Zeus got both Mutado and myself quite uh, quite excited and smiling because for me, that is a real maverick. That is someone especially in born in 1904, so he was writing in the 1920s and 30s where conservatism was all what it was about and he was just a total maverick. And yet in 2021, we've got mavericks again. We've got people who will who were educated and went through a system of how financial services should be provided. And they were also put into the mold that things must innovate and must change to the point where the human being gets taken out of it and it's all mechanized and the technology is the king. And yet you've got certain people that come along and say the human touch can never be replaced. What we need to do is we need to fuse the two together. So, Mutada Mahamba, CEO and founder of Solvency, welcome back to Khaifem. Thank you very much, sir, and uh, good afternoon to all your listeners. Great. Mutada, just give us a big, a, a quick rundown of where you guys are, are, are holding, what you're doing, because I remember I interviewed last time, you're definitely not dressed as colorfully today as you were during that interview. I really remember your uh, colorful waistcoat that you wore at that one. Um, but tell us a little bit about where Solvency is sitting today. It's about a year and a bit down the line, and I'd love to see how you guys have grown. Um, I mean, it's been it's been a fantastic journey for us, uh, I must admit. And uh, you know, when one considers uh, when one considers that we were in the middle of a lockdown, um, we, we found ourselves actually being approached. Uh, by, by, by large corporates because now everybody was now on this race to say, okay, how do we digitize, you know? So, I mean, over the last year, we were fortunate enough to strike up two partnerships with, um, with a leading reinsurer, uh, for the African continent, um, which is quite exciting for us. Uh, because then that also means that we will be able to export our solution into the rest of the continent. Um, but then, I mean, I'm even more excited about the stuff that we're doing locally um, as well, where we, we've partnered now with a telematics company, um, where we're going to allow consumers to be able to get savings as a result of moving or not moving their car. Um, so it's not really driver behavior based, but really to say, okay, uh, ours is to say, um, we should always charge you the premium that's commensurate with the risk. So now you're in lockdown, your car is not moving. Um, then what, you know, so this is the thing that we're going to be launching now in April. So yeah, it's been really a good journey, a very positive response from consumers as well as corporates that have really found us to be an opportune partner to partner with. Fantastic. Well, the challenge we're having is that the line's not clear. And as I'm looking at your image now on the screen, you've frozen a little bit, but um, hopefully technology will play ball. Let's go back a little bit because I clearly have got the press release. I know what you guys do, and I know how you've done, um, uh, where you started. But maybe just flesh it out for us. 
when did you guys start? When did you start solvency? And what's the logic behind paying a premium for risk that also gives savings? Um, so, yeah, I guess we can pretty much start from the beginning. We, we launched uh, into the market last year, February. And uh, so it's been, it's been a year to date. Um, and really our value proposition to customers is the fact that it's based on the fact that 90% of short-term insurance policy holders will claim less than they will pay in insurance premiums. So what we wanted to do was to then enable uh, customers to participate in the upside, in the profits that get made by insurance companies. So we took it a step further to the uh, no claim bonus uh, models that are out there that say, you know, if you haven't claimed for so many years, you can get back a certain percentage. And we say we give you as the consumer control. So just as you would with your medical aid, have a portion of your contribution going towards your medical savings account, which you use for day to day to, you know, for your doctors or over the counter medicine. Likewise, that's what we do with short term insurance, where you decide what portion of your total premium you want to go into an insurance savings account. Um, and the money in the insurance savings account, then you can use that to pay for your excess in the event that you have an accident. Or uh, you can withdraw it every 12 months, whether you've claimed or not. Uh, every 12 months, you can withdraw up to 50% of what you have put in over the last 12 months. Or just leave the money to continue to grow and earning interest because we are the only short-term insurance product and that actually allows consumers to earn interest on the premiums um, that they pay. So that that has been the nutshell and the core of our product, which is saying that convert unclaimed premiums into savings, into an investment, because that talks to 90% of us that are insured. So, Tabavi has got a, a question. He's got lots of emojis all over the, the SMS. This is basically saying, he says like this, please ask Mutada how I have savings. Can I not choose to rather pay a smaller premium and have no savings? Um, so, and that's one thing that we learned over the last 12 months, um, because ultimately, because we are attracting a good profile in terms of clients that are quite responsible at their risk. Uh, I, I'm not saying that we are cheap, but on average, we, we, we're competitive. And so we found that some consumers just prefer to then just take the basic uh, um, option without savings. So we do offer that as well because we don't want our customers to lose out if in the event that we are actually offering them a better digital experience, but they don't want the savings component of it. So you're sure to do that as well if you want that to be your option, Tabo. Okay. So let me continue on that theme. If I want to take the savings, because I like the idea, it's almost I'm building up my own excess um, account should something happen. What am I earning on my money? If I can earn I don't know, let's say 3.5% in the bank for a fixed deposit, what I'm going to earn with you guys over the year? Um, so what we say we projected to be anything between 5 and uh, 7%. So in the past 12 months, uh, it was actually 6.5%. Wow. Um, all things equal, you can expect that to happen. Uh, but I say this is very different and revolutionary because of the fact that even if you approached a bank today, you couldn't get as much as more than three or three and a half percent on your money market. So for sure. 
an opportunity to just be able to earn that off just your normal insurance premium that should be paying anyway. That's quite revolutionary and quite empowering to consumers. Fantastic. Matata, I didn't actually realize that you only started last year's February. So when I interviewed you, it was prior to launch. Um, yes, so that's all come back. Let's take a quick break because we need to go to the shops and I will be back with you in a moment. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back to 101.9 Hi FM. It is 21 minutes past 12 and you're on the Avion Money Show. You're with the Avion Money Show. Mutado Mohambo, who is the CEO and founder of Solvency. Mutado, let's go back to maybe something I mentioned in the very beginning, which is you, what you put in your press release. I'm talking to you actually at the moment from Israel. You're sitting somewhere in Johannesburg, I take it. And we're talking about a business that is hopefully going to spread throughout Africa and have a large footprint on the continent. Two years ago, I don't think this could have happened. In fact, maybe a year ago, this would have been iffy if we both would have been comfortable to do an interview like this. Today, it's just given. That's the way. Are we going to see the human being, the face-to-face interaction between two people disappear altogether or will that be one of the basic human needs that will always be there and will be the backbone and the structure on which business will be built? Um, it will depend uh, industry to industry. But when I look at financial services, uh, when I look at financial services, uh, it, it is different because uh, it's not a consumable. I think with a consumable, you're happy that you could buy something off take a lot or whatever, or, you know, uh, pay when you're ordering on, say, Uber Eats, uh, because you're going to get that thing and you eat it. But, you know, when you think about financial services where you're going to be continuing to pay premiums month on month, um, at the very least, you probably want to have some satisfaction, even if it's just initially about the people behind this innovation. So whereas in our case, we've seen about maybe a 70-30 split whereby 70% of people are quite comfortable to go through the whole process digitally. Um, um, and then you've got the 30%. Now, our experience, and when we talk about the human touch, it is not so much that they want um, a phone call, but what they appreciate about our platform is that, look, at least I love the fact that within three minutes or two minutes, I'm able to get a quote. And uh, once I get a quote, uh, you then find that some people are lazy, and I say that in inverted commas, where, you know, for them, they're okay, fine. Wow, this quote looks great. Now what? Uh, because now they don't want to go and read the information themselves on our website. And you just have one or two questions. So that's where we found that, okay, the odd half a minute call where a person will just be asking, okay, can I do absolutely anything with my insurance savings account? And we say, yes, you can. It's your money. And then they say, okay, fine. I'm sold. You know, so if you think about that situation, uh, if if we didn't just do that courtesy one-minute call, the person would have still been nervous and there you could still lose the sale. So that's where we talk about the human trust, that some people, just to get them over the threshold, they just want to feel like there's a human being behind this thing and it's not just a robot. Uh, but I do feel that in financial services, maybe give it another two, three years where people will still want to have somebody calling them, and I call it a 30% right now, but I see that reducing gradually over time. Yeah, I mean, we're not quite sure. I think, you know, if you had the scenario planners coming in, I actually haven't really looked at it, but I doubt any of them got 2020 correct. Um, you know, if you would have asked them in the November 2019, 
when there was some pangolin that was about to be eaten in China or whatever conspiracy theory is. And uh, they, 2020 was going to be a tough year, but no one thought it was going to fall off the end of the world. And yet all it did is it fell off the end of the world onto a ledge that just became the norm, new normal and, and we've continued. And my personal feeling, being someone who is in financial services every single day, that ultimately it's all good and well until the proverbial pawpaw hits the fan. Correct. And then you want to be able to pick up the phone and talk to somebody. And that's something that, you know, you keep saying, yes, you can go through someone. Yes, you don't pay a commission for a service where someone is being remunerated to assist you. It's all good and well until you hit a bottom. And then you need that expert to come in and then all the fees you've paid is sort of worthwhile for that period of time. But let me ask you um, just broadly, one thing that I'm really encouraged about and I was very excited when I spoke to you last time is that you moved from the security of a salary every month at a big corporate to going out on your own. But now you've got another headache and that's when it comes to the end of the month, instead of counting the sleeps to receiving a salary, you're now counting the receipts to paying the salaries. Right. How many salaries are you paying at the end of the month? How many people are reliant on your company as full-time employees at the moment? Uh, we have four people that are reliant on a salary. Um, so if you take that, that's four families. That is four families. You know? um, and I mean, if you think about it in the context of, uh, and I mean, these are all, uh, young, I mean, I'm saying young, we're all under 35. Um, and, uh, but, uh, you know, you know, a black family, there's always an extension. So, you know, yeah, we, you know, it's four families and beyond. Uh, but, but I mean, it's really been, it's really been one of those things that also can keep me awake at night, just knowing that, you know, there's a big responsibility, not just with the consumers, but even with the people that you employ, because you've asked them to come and join you on this ambitious journey. But I'm grateful that it has worked out, even uh, despite uh, the lockdown and the downturn in the economy. Mutala, I don't know if you know the story about the um, the guy who was brought into Google many, many years ago. He was a graphic artist, who was an artist, to paint a mural on the wall. And uh, he, he painted the mural. It was really great, whatever they wanted. And when they sort of came to pay him, he turned around and said, no, I don't want to be remunerated in cash. I want shares in your business. And I don't know what he was thinking, but they were more than happy to do that because they were running at a loss, something tremendous. Yes. Today, I don't think he needs to worry about um, the end of the month bills, that particular chap, unless he's bought too many yachts. But uh, that was really trusting a startup and today one of the biggest companies in the world. And uh, it looks like you're on the same tra- trajectory to go there. What does 2021 have in, and have in store for, for solvency? Um, we, we, we're very proud of the product that we're launching um, because we see that there's a big debt problem in South Africa where a lot of people are indebted. So um, we are working with a, an organization that uh, works with a lot of people that have got debt. And we're saying that likewise, uh, we will be allowing people to use their insurance savings account uh, to actually pay off their debt. Um, so now what you're doing is that by not claiming um, the, the premiums that would have gone away now can actually come back to you and can actually help consumers to be able to settle their debt. And I guess even if you're not indebted, 
Um, uh, you know, the point is if you put an, an extra rand or 50 bucks into any form of loan, secured or unsecured, over time, it actually helps you to pay less interest over time. So that is something exciting, uh, which we're really interested to see how that will do. And I think I'm more proud of the fact of its social impact in helping uh, people to actually get out of debt and really start focusing on building their uh, financial wellness. Montalo, just before I say goodbye to you, just one question that I've got on that. Would someone then have to have to relinquish their debt to some sort of management? Because yeah. there's no point in doing it and then, you know, yes, you pay it off, but then you access it shortly thereafter. So it's, it's, it's entirely, entirely up to the person. Yeah, so I think what we're doing is that, uh, I mean, we build an algorithm which uh, optimizes depending on the debts that you're going to uh, put on the system, where then we then run an algorithm which then tells you which debt should you be tackling first. So it almost acts as that uh, robo-advisor, uh, but we still leave it to the client to then say, okay, fine, at the end of the day when my savings are here, they can still choose to do whatever with them, but at least we would have given them the projections of what it would mean if they were to take the savings that we have and directed towards paying off a loan. So it's two things. One, we're giving them the algorithm that optimizes uh, which loan to tackle first because people don't know. Uh, people say the highest interest rate first or the lowest loan first. So with that, we've built a detonator um, algorithm which will help people with that. But ultimately, we still leave it to them. If they want to use the money to go and uh, on holiday, that's their choice. If they want to pay off their debt, that's their choice. <laughs> Before I let you go, please let us know how we can get hold of you. Um, on our website, it's www.solvency.co.za, solvency.co.za. Um, you'll see a beautiful pink button on the website that says begin your journey. And within two minutes, you can get your quote. Within three minutes, you'll be signed up to start converting your unclaimed premiums into a savings, into an investment. Mutada Mahamba, you're a genius. Thank you for putting it together. Thank you for being so brave and going on this journey. And thank you for taking other people with you. And hopefully when I chat to you, let's say in a year's time, you know, you would have just added so much value to so many people. Best of luck to you and uh, keep safe. Thank you, Avi. I appreciate it. Thanks to the listeners. Great. Thank you so much. www.solvency.co.za. Please go have a look. Um, I'm going to say goodbye now for a few minutes. You can listen to a song. And then when we come back, we're going to unpack the budget that happened last week. Hashtag you don't have to be Jewish. Welcome back to 101.9 High FM. Um, I, I'm really buoyed when I see young people taking huge risks like that, leaving the security of the corporate world, going out on their own, being maverick, starting a new product, coming up with new ideas. Companies like Discovery did that. Companies like Peregrine did that. And look where they are today. So, you know, all the strength to Mortado and his team, um, you know, hopefully they'll do really, really well. Last week was most probably one of the toughest budgets that any Minister of Finance in South Africa had to deliver. Um, no one's ever delivered a budget under a lockdown. No one's delivered a budget under Corona. No one knew what that was a year and a bit ago. But the Minister delivered it and he delivered it with poise and he delivered it with determination. And it was basically well received, but the, the dust has settled. People as I have unpacked it, the autopsy has been done. And George, George Herman, who's the CIO, Chief Investment Officer at Citadel is with us. George, welcome to High FM. Good afternoon, Avi. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. Great. 
George, you know, I was just thinking this morning, I remember being a kid um, in the 70s, maybe the 80s, and the radio was on, and the budget was being discussed, and there came, there was always one topic in the budget, that it was the hot topic. How much was going to defense? And I remember the figure came out, which is, I think, not relevant, was the percentage of GDP of the total budget. I remember my mother thinking, like, saying to me, but we're fighting a war that shouldn't even be fought, and we're spending money on it for no reason. And I'm thinking here, we don't have that hassle today. We have corruption, we have no administration. Those things can be solved. But basically, we've just got not enough money, a slow economy, and we've got a massive um, economy, we've got a massive debt burden that needs to be sorted out. So they are surmountable, but I'm very happy that Master Name wasn't in Boweni last week and I didn't have to deliver that budget. Um, I'll see you smiling over there. I'd pack it fast. Well, Avi, your mother was very wise. Um, our biggest problem now is no longer a war that we don't have to fight, but it is uh, the cost of servicing debt. And that has taken over that exact same proportion of eating up all the income. Avi, you described it very well that our uh, finance minister is exceptionally eloquent and very competent. Uh, he didn't bring his uh, aloe along with him this year, and that was actually meaningful because he wanted to show how serious this is, how dire the situation is. But as always, the minister took this and he gave it in the best possible light uh, that he could. He made all the comparisons between where we are today versus the October estimates in the medium-term budget. So you can either take that as that the minister put a very shiny uh, cover over some of the tough numbers, or you could say that they were trying to hide it. You decide. Now, ultimately, if I, ultimately it's a tough job and something has to be done. Absolutely, indeed. So um, I think to you, you asked me to unpack it. I'll, I'll, I'll tackle a few subjects, if I may. Um, I think the first one to unpack is that um, it's a pity that our own national treasury doesn't uh, seem to eat its own cooking in the sense that um, they said that this budget is expansionary and actually there to deliver and assist in creating growth. Well, in their own forecast, they put in 3.3% for 2021. We actually have a more positive number ourselves. Um, they put in 2.2% for 2022 and only one6 for 2023. Uh, and that's just back to our subpar trend growth we've been at for the last decade. So that was kind of a disappointing development uh, to see. I think a, uh, a further issue I would like to raise is that, you know, the minister spent some time on uh, the 99.6 billion of excess revenue that they had over the expectations of October. But in reality, that number was 213 billion lower than what was the estimate in February. And so if you look at the whole year's number, that was a monstrous deterioration of the numbers. You know, this is like a teenager who's just spent the most money and built up the biggest um, overdraft of his life, but he seems excited about that. <laughs> and then uh, the next thing that comes out is the internal assumptions in the budget is that the expenses for government over the next four years is kept as flat. Now, you and I both know that uh, creating a budget and then having flat expenses for the next four years uh, is impossible. 
on that pleasant note, let's take a quick break because we do need to run to the shops. And when we come back, let's unpack one particular um, problem there, which is the salary bill that the government has to pay every month. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. This is RV on Business. Welcome back to 101.9. Hi, FM. It's 20 to 1. And George, before I come back to you, I just want to say a, a, a massive thank you and a big shout out to Craig. Craig's sitting there on the bottom of our screen. Craig gets on our case at about 8.30 in the morning on a Tuesday. And he makes sure everything's lined up and everything's ready and everything's done and everything's organized. And it's just incredible how he gets it together every week, the same passion, the same drive, the same determination. So, Craig, you're a, you're an invisible person, but you've been behind the show for many, many years. We've won awards together. So, uh, just want to quickly say thank you to you over there. And, uh, I'll say it at the end of the show, but I thought I'd steal George's spotlight for a second. George Homan, CIO, Chief Investment Officer of Exilidol. Welcome back. Yes. So the government is really playing semantics with, with numbers. The bottom line is the economy is not growing at a sustainable rate in order to keep the, the wheels turning. The fact that we're going to, they're saying we're going to keep expenses flat is impossible. If you and I could keep expenses flat in our own homes, we would be happy. But we can't, we can't manipulate the medical aid costs. We can't manipulate the rates and taxes costs. We can't manipulate education costs. And our staff want to get increases every year. So if that doesn't happen on a macrocosm, there's no ways it can happen on a macro scale in the economy. So how does government even plan to do that? Avi, you know uh, you've set it spot on right, and that is that the biggest assumption of uh, the the largest expenditure item in the budget is uh, the wage bill. Um, and government has been, uh, or Treasury rather, has been quite naughty in firstly reneging on uh, the third year of a three-year deal that they had signed with the labor unions. Um, so it's easy for all of us to be negative about the size of the wage bill. But let's let's think for a moment, in the middle of a pandemic, would you like not to give nurses an increase? Would you like not to give policemen an increase? Would you like not to give the judiciary an increase? So sometimes we, we, we judge very, very rapidly, and then we applaud government's actions for doing that. But the people who get affected by that is probably some of the people we need most in society right now. So let's try and be objective about this number. Some form of increase is undoubtedly necessary. The labor unions have been very aggressive and have come back and asked for immediately an inflation plus four number, which seems like an, uh, an enormous number. It'll come out in excess of 7% if that is enacted. But the reality is that our, our, our sums just don't add up in the budget. And the problem is that the assumption that goes into this budget calculation is a 0% increase over the next three years into the budget to get to that flat expenditure number. And I'm very sorry. I don't think they will get away morally, ethically, practically in any way you think of getting away of giving uh, government employees a 0% increase. The other way that they could achieve that is by reducing the number of people. And we've seen their reluctance to do that over, over a decade now. So that's kind of unlikely. So unfortunately, we have to prepare to be a little bit disappointed on the upside of expenditure and then maybe on uh, the downside on some of the budget deficit numbers. 
Well, just quickly get to the hot topics that people are messaging me about. Um, they, they know it, but then maybe they just want some more information. The first question that a few people are asking is, what happened with personal tax, marginal income tax? How did that work? What changes were there over there? Well, that's the good news, Avi, is that um, the economy has started rebounding as the economy has been opened up. And quite frankly, Treasury has been pleasantly surprised by the uptick in both personal and corporate income taxes uh, relative to what they expected in October. So much so that, as I mentioned earlier, they actually had a 99.6 billion overrun from their estimates of income or revenue rather uh, from the October estimate. And so they did not deem it necessary to increase taxes at all which is a very good thing. It seems like National Treasury does have an understanding that South Africa has achieved what is known as the Laffer Curve, where it doesn't matter how much you put up tax, you don't get more tax revenue from the tax base. Our tax base is exceptionally small and shrinking, and just increasing the rate is not going to bring you in more tax. You'll rather see people evade taxes or even leave the country. And so the end result is that no personal taxes were increased, that bracket creep was somewhat uh, alleviated, but not entirely. So the only increase you'll experience in tax is by natural bracket creep that you'll pay more in a higher bracket. Uh, corporate taxes were indicated that they would in fact be decreased from 28 to 27, but only from 1 April next year, 2022. Uh, so that's marginal. That's a really a small move. It's more just to show a sign of, come on, let's work together which is probably a good thing. But overall, that can't be increased. That's politically too sensitive and affects the wrong dem demography. And so overall, for you as an individual, there's small minor technical issues that got changed in the back end of the budget in terms of trusts and, and et cetera. But for us as average salary people, hardly anything changed. So just to one thing interesting about that, you have to be a minister for one budget term in order to change that. If you're going to be a minister for any term longer than that, then you can't change that. I think that's what we, we've learned about that. Um, George, if Tzinedal turned around to you and said, look, we're happy to, to let you go, and Treasury said, we want you to come work here, and the uh, voting public said to you, we're giving you a golden scepter, and you can just be king of finance for the next four years and do whatever you want what what would your main thrust be? I know I'm being a bit facetious, but if we really had to get this economy going and you didn't have to pay political games, walk political tightropes, and you didn't have to be PC, what is needed to get our economy going where the beggars on the corner are minimized because people have income? Crime drops because people's children are not starving. And people are safe in the country because there's no fear that someone who's more desperate than you is going to take something from you. And yet, and more than that, people stay in the country and people come to our country to work. What would you do? Avi, you had me excited there for a moment. I was looking forward to the prospect. Uh, it's just, <laughs> it's such a pity you had to have so many provisos to that task. And in reality, what we need is a whole series of ministers doing exactly all these things that you've just asked. Without all those provisos, they shouldn't be there. A government is there to serve its country and its people. Why should there be all these provisos? But to answer your questions, the reality is there's a lot of low-hanging fruits 
small things that can happen. And, um, and so they should start at those small low-hanging fruits. Those are things like tourism, like the textile industry. So rather than taking a political high ground and trying to make a statement like that, rather fix those little those little industries and those those are very easy to fix. They're high on uh, on, on employment, uh, so they have an immediate impact. And then we can discuss some of the bigger issues in a moment. Okay, so let's quickly go and uh, just one last live read for the show, and then I'd love to hear what you have to say. That this Thursday, the 4th of March, don't miss the Weasel Johannesburg 107th AGM at 10 a.m. on Zoom with the star-studded lineup. So who are these speakers going to be? There are going to be a lot of people there. Listen out here. Be educated entertained by one of the sharpest travelers in town, Rabbi Ryan Goldstein. Hear about the incredible work of Neve Wizo through, through one of its top social workers in Israel, Alex Azerad, and meet Wizo's South African SA's new dynamic president. To register, you can call 011-645-2515 or go to Wizo JHB, that's W-I-Z-O-J-H-B at bayachad.co.za. I wonder what that AGM looked like 107 years ago. Must have been very different to the way it's going to look today. Good, good. George, coming back to you, we're really running out of time. So what would the main, the main thrust you're saying to get the economy kickstarted, the low-hanging fruits, those that have high employment rates, pump resources and, and into them. But one thing we do know is that the ANC is a political machine and we, that has become more and more entrenched. We, we went through, um, phobia where we just thought everything was going to change. And all that happens is just shift a little bit to the right or the left. Um, and, and we've got more of the same in many, many ways. So if you take that reality as a given, where do you see ourselves being in the next three to four years? Just to finish, Avi, the, the big picture yes. of what they should change or what they could change to get this economy running. And those are more principled issues. And the first thing is that they must deliver on their own promises. At every state of the nation address, they make promises that never gets delivered. At every budget, they make promises that never gets delivered. And at every major uh, political event, new promises are made that are never delivered. So the first thing is deliver on your promises. Make smaller promises and deliver on them. That would be fantastic. That would lead to the second one, is policy and policy certainty. Every time something is announced, uh, they're going to uh, sell the spectrum, auction off the additional spectrum. Three years later, it still hasn't happened. And, and so we can carry on as to things that were promised, but we never get to it. So can we have policy certainty, please? Many industries, mining, telecommunications, you name it, can improve their lives and start growing and investing in this economy if they have policy certainty and not a government that dilly-dallies. And then... Um, uh, uh, to get to your point, where are we going to be in three, four years? Well, unfortunately, a lot of politicking is going to have is going to take place in the next two years as several layers of elections take place. Municipal, the ANC's own election, and then into a general election again. So a lot of politicking takes place, which unfortunately detracts from government's ability and reality of doing work and delivering, which is really a pity. Where are we going to be? We are going to be with uh, one of the highest unemployment rates in the world and still growing. Nothing is changing about that. Uh, the current positive environment that we are experiencing of global investors investing in a high-yield country like South Africa 
would have probably dried up by now because we would have gone through the development cycle of the development world and we'll start seeing some problems of not as easy a liquidity environment globally. And that will affect South Africa dramatically because we, our debt burden has increased significantly. We will be over a hundred percent of debt to GDP despite the wonderful figures that they put in the budget there. Uh, and so we are going to have a tougher situation three to four years down the line than where we are today. The RAND has been a beneficiary of all this inflows and this very conducive global liquidity environment. Uh, unfortunately, that honeymoon would be over by that time. Fantastic. George, um, I think basically it was a positive outlook, but the real, real, reality of it is that we need to get our house in order in order to grow. And, um, you know, one thing that I'm always buoyed about is that when you speak to people like yourselves, one speaks about South Africa as a united whole. It's not them or us. Yes, antagonism towards government for certain policies and for certain ways, ways certain things are done. But on the whole, every South African is happy to stand behind that grindstone and just push it uphill so long as we're going to go forward. George, thank you so much for your time and thank you for being on the show. A pleasure, Avi, and it's definitely not antagonism, it's uh, positive criticism. Fantastic. George Herman, CIO of Citadel, thanks for your time. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Craig, once again, for pushing the buttons, and we will speak to you next week. Hi, FM, 101.9 megahertz of life.